HBCU Pulse Radio yeah. on Sirius XM Channel 142 HBCU. You're now locked in to HBCU Pulse. We are the number one outlet for HBCU life, talking about everything that's important to our culture, from on-campus issues to politics and what's trending on the yard. We always keep that same energy. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to HBCU Pulse Radio. What's going on, everybody? This is Randall Barnes, the founder of HBCU Pulse and the host of HBCU Pulse Radio in the building for another special edition of the show on today where we are here. We're on Serious Sex Sim. Listen, there's basketball going on, and basketball is my favorite sport. But we have to talk football on today. So I have our sports contributor, Ariel Kilgore, North Carolina A&T alumna. How you doing today, Ariel? Doing good. Today's Founders Day, so it's, it's really it's really special today, extra special today. Happy Founders Day, birthday, celebration day to A&T, March 9th. I'm just so excited. It's, it's been a good day just because of that. I can imagine, I can imagine. So, like, as we're recording this, it is North Carolina A&T's Founders Day, and I got a lot of love for North Carolina A&T. So, happy Founders Day to North Carolina A&T, who is very relevant to the topic that we're going to be talking about on today, because we're talking about the SWAC versus the MEAC, who really runs HBCU football. And, of course, we know North Carolina A&T had a long stint in the MEAC, <laughs> and they won the Celebration Bowls and all the different stuff like that. So it's going to be an amazing topic. So before we get started, because I already know sort of what the reception could be to an episode like this, we are not saying any conference is inferior. We have love for the SWAC, the MEAC, the SIC, which is my conference, the CIAA, and the GCAC. We also have love for the HBCUs that are not in HBCU conferences, but it's March. We're still talking about football. So I felt as if, and Ariel, who came up with the idea for this episode, felt as if it would be a very fun exercise for us to talk about. So, of course, I'm going to be on the SWAC side, and Ariel, being a North Carolina A&T Aggie on Founders Day, is going to represent for the MEAC. So I want to talk to you, Ariel. Like, it's almost like a debate. It's like almost like, you know, like court where we're like lawyers. So I want you to state your case of why the MEAC runs HBCU football. I mean, I wouldn't really say it's a debate. I think it's common knowledge and just, you know, more of a presentation of why the MEAC is the best, always will be the best and stands at the top and will always be the standard for everybody else. But, you know, like like you said in the beginning, all love, we love all our HBCUs, but I'm just here to tell you guys why the MEAC is the best. Just a little bit of history. The Celebration Bowl is actually really new. It didn't start till 2015. Before that, there was the Pelican Bowl. They ran from 1973, 74, 75. Then you had the Heritage Bowl that ran from 1991 to 1995. So the Celebration Bowl is really, really new, and I found that exciting. And from the time, from 2015, all the way till now, to 2023, the MEAC has run it. They have won, out of seven championships, we have won six. The SWAC has only won one. One, and it come from Grambling. So I thought that was pretty interesting. And one of my points that the MEAC is just that guy. It's just that conference, Randall. That's 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 really my point. To put that on top, the ANT Central South Carolina State, which actually has more championships than ANT, have ran the records against opponent. They have the most points scores, they have the most points 
put on the board within a margin. They have the most rushing yards. The MIAC is really known for their running backs, for those in the backfield, for making sure they put yards on the ground. Especially when you look at this past Celebration Bowl, you look at Davius Richards and how he runs. He's a running quarterback. We knew that the MIAC was going to come with those rushing yards. You also got to look at some of the people that they have put in the NFL, like Tyreek Cohen. Tyreek Cohen used to run it up for A&T. I have to throw a lot of A&T people out there because I love them so much and it's Founders Day. So those are the main things that kind of bring us to the top. And then you have to look at the three remaining teams that have come through the MIAC that has always showed up. We don't really have playoffs, but when you do look at and you look over the years, it's always South Carolina State, A&T before they moved into the Big South and before they moved again. And then you also have to look at Morgan State. Morgan State was actually a competitor before these past couple of years. But other than that, those are the three main schools that used to run the MIAC and ran the MIAC consistently. And then you also have to look at some of the more recent, some of the past people that have been into the NFL. You have Terry Corrin, Daryl Johnson was an amazing player, Tony McBray, you got Brandon Parker. You also have Ryan Smith, who was on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the South Carolina State, bringing Antonio Hamilton, Javon Hargrave for the Philadelphia Eagles, Darius Leonard for the Indianapolis Colts. All these greats that are just coming out of the MEAC that some people may have forgotten just because of the spotlight of the Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles. And the MEAC has had 17 NFL teams that had 33 players that have been in the roots of all MEACs. Then you look at these past champions with Davius Richards, who's actually in the top 20 to be drafted, maybe coming out if he decides to declare. And the MEAC has produced over this last year 13.5 players that want to be in NFL preseason rosters. The SWAC has only produced literally 1.5 less in the NFL preseason rosters. That point five coming out of Jackson State, Daylon Baldwin, who was on that practice squad, who was unfortunately released, but he's still kind of counts to that side. And then you got to think about the legendary coaches that don't have a whole bunch of stardom. When you look at the swag, it's a lot of glitz and glamour. And, you know, I get that. They, they've been kind of down bad. And I understand that in order to succeed, in order for you to run up the score and try to get back at the MIAC, you got to bring in superstars. But the MIAC has been running it without all that glitz and glamour, without all the fame, without other fortune you got sam washington you got rob broadway both two honorable coaches from a&t william bill davis from south carolina state seven seasons with the bulldogs won them four championships his record was 27 to 7 in the MIAC, 54 25 overall Willie Jeffries, a famous, famous football coach for Howard and South Carolina State. He was actually a really good coach. And to me, I just feel like out of all these things, the MIAC has grit. The MIAC knows how to build and create these really big positions that I just feel like the SWAC doesn't have. When you look at the MIAC, it's something that's going to last forever, something that's always going to be standing, something that's going to be statued and written in the Hall of Fame. The MIAC is there to put imprints and lay the foundation, and the SWAC is really just there to follow in their footsteps. And maybe, you know, once or twice, you'll have a glimmer of light, a shooting star, but you want something that's going to be evident and proud and standing firm for years to come. And the MIAC has set that all, even this past championship, going all the way into overtime, 
time is still be in Jackson State. We all know that the MEAC is the best. Thank you for coming to my presentation, my TED Talk. We don't have to finish this episode. It's already done, set in stone. I don't know what else you're going to say. I mean, I know who you're going to say because there are a lot of people and one person in particular that has a whole award named after him. But I don't know how you can really follow after you say the man that you're about to say. I mean, you have the MEAC. Deacon Jones has an award also named after him. You know what I'm saying? So like that, there's a lot of great players both in the MEAC and the SWAC. And I think that that's an amazing argument. But I have to ask you this. So with North Carolina A&T and Hampton leaving, and also you have FAMU and Bethune-Cookman that left, do you think that weakens the argument for the MEAC being the superior conference? I think the MEAC has already found its predecessor in North Carolina Central. And that stung a little bit to say. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to lie. But, I mean, we've been raving about them even before we came to Sirius, they've had an amazing, a very good underdog story, a very great team. So the MEAC has already laid that foundation of who is coming next between South Carolina State, maybe fixing their quarterback and coaching problems that they had over this season and making sure they develop an offensive line that is ready and prepared to put points on the board because that was one of their main problems. And Davis Richards having one more year, if he decides that, hey, I want to take my senior year into this and and sticking with the coach of the year that they have, I think they're set for another winning season. The MEAC is coming out of, okay, we're losing teams, but we still have to show and carry that HBCU sports are still important. All right, so let me present my reasoning for why the SWAC runs HBCU football. So you're right. I, I got to start off with names, right? Eddie Robinson, W.C. Gordon, Pete Richardson, Archie Cooley, Walter Payton, Jerry Rice, Doug Williams, Steve McNair. Now, these names are legendary coaches and players that the SWAC boast in their amazing history. Founded on September the 10th, 1920, the SWAC is the vanguard for black college football. You have a look at the achievements, the history, and just the way the game is played. The SWAC boasts 16 members of the Pro Football Hall of Fame from Grambling, Southern, Jackson State, Prairie View, Texas Southern, Mississippi Valley State, and there should be so many more SWAT greats that are in the Hall of Fame. That's a whole nother conversation. And mind you, I didn't include Alabama AM, I didn't include FAMU, nor Bethune Cookman, because Alabama AM was in the SIAC. They joined the SWAC in 1999. And of course, FAMU was also in the SIAC for some of the Hall of Famers. Then they joined the MIAC and they had Hall of Famers. And Bethune Cookman was in the MIAC as well. So I can't even add their Hall of Famers. I'm just looking at the Hall of Famers from the SWAC schools that's been there, and even Bishop College that's no longer open. They got a Hall of Famer in that played in the SWAC. But the SWAC boasts Doug Williams. We talked about the Super Bowl. We talked about the black quarterbacks in the Super Bowl before Jalen Hurts, before Patrick Mahomes. You had Doug Williams, the first black quarterback to win the Super Bowl MVP in 1987. History setting the standard accolades eddie g robinson i could just drop the mic right there i could just say eddie g robinson and those 57 years at gramlin state university and not say anything else he produced a player the magnitude of doug williams to make black history he produced four pro football hall of famers and 116 nfl draft picks and you can see the players that's been drafted from gramlin and that were coached by the great eddie g robinson you can see that full listing on hbcupost.com because we did the definitive list of hbcu players that have been drafted and we're going to be updating it in about a month so that greatness 
Eddie G. Robinson is the swag. He's swag. And he set the blueprint for where we are now, even for other HBCU conferences, because his coaching tree is extensive. And picture this. He won 408 games in his illustrious career, only at seven losing seasons. He put the swag on the map in that way of winning culture, tradition. And then you have to look at even the current times, because you know, the 1990s, the 2000s, the 2010s, the swag boat Steve Air McNair, one of the most explosive quarterbacks in the history of the NCAA. And he actually had a realistic shot of winning the Heisman. And Ariel, you you love using Steve Air McNair. So, you know, you already know what's up with it. And let's not forget Archie Cooley at Mississippi Valley State University. He coached Jerry Rice who some consider as the greatest NFL player ever. Not Tom Brady, Jerry Rice for a lot of people. He was at Mississippi Valley State University, and they reinvented the way the game was played with the Satellite Express offense. I saw an empty backfield, five-hour offense, terrorized defense. It was a super fun, explosive game of football that everyone liked to watch. They got a bunch of national attention. They had some national TV games making it happen. It got Jerry Rice drafted, and you see a lot of teams that are using that same model of offense, that air raid style. That was the swag. That was Archie Cooley. He was one of the inventors, the innovators of that offense. Now it's true that the swag has been dominated by the MIAC in the MIAC swag challenge and also the celebration bowl. But as you talked about, Ario, there are precursors to the celebration bowl. And you said it, the heritage bowl. And in the heritage bowl, we must admit, because I want to use the heritage bowl because that was in the nineties in the heritage bowl, the swag won six of those nine matchups. I'm just saying, I know we got present day and the Celebration Bowl has been a different story. Only Grambling State University won for the SWAC in the Celebration Bowl. North Carolina A&T dominated. And of course, Jackson State was not able to get over the hump in representing the SWAC and they lost to South Carolina State and North Carolina Central. But the Heritage Bowl was sort of a different story. But I'm not saying anything against the MIAC. The MIAC is a great conference with some amazing football teams, both current day and historically. But Ariel, it's hard for me in this debate to go against the innovator of college football, the vanguard, the history makers, the standard setter, the culture creators. It's very hard for me to go against the SWAC when they created the culture that we honestly all benefit from. The SWAC is the standard in every way, shape, and form. And that's all I'm saying, Ariel. All right, Randall, let me ask you a question. Out of all these greats, what 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 was the error for all these greats? Was the ones that I was mentioning, it was really the 1900s. I'll give you that. All right. So listen, I'll give you the blueprint in the foundation. Just because of them, especially, and like you said, I, I am a big fan of Steve McNair, especially when we did our fantasy football episode. Steve McNair set it off. But when you think about it, even from now, even back in 2015 and as early as 2010, the MEAC has took what they put down and made it everlasting into the future. Listen, we can't litigate this because we have our sides of the arguments. We can't say, oh, who won and, and which one's better. So we want to give this to the HBCU Pulse audience. So if you are listening on HBCU Pulse Radio on Sirius XM or our podcast at the HBCU Pulse on Twitter and let us know who is the better conference. Let us know which conference, the MIAC or the SWAC runs hbcu football do you believe it's the swag do you believe it is the miac but aria where can we find you on social media 
You can find me on Twitter at AskRiRi underscore underscore or go visit my website at theunaxedopinion.weebly.com. Don't, don't go anywhere. Y'all know who I am, right? Yeah. HBCU Pulse Radio will be right back after this commercial break. HBCUs are more than a trend. Yeah. We're forever a part of the culture. HBCU Pulse always has you on lock. From the shade room to your favorite news feed. And now, on your TV and radio, we are, 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 are the number one outlet for HBCU culture. Follow HBCU Pulse on social media. And visit HBCUPulse.com to stay up to date on what's going on in the HBCU community. HBCU Pulse Radio. Baby, what you wanna do? HBCU Pulse Radio is your number one source for news, information, and discussions about HBCU life and culture. From sports to politics and what's trending on yours. We're always at the heart of the culture. You don't want to miss this. Tune into HBCU Pulse Radio every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Central on Sirius XM Channel 142 HBCU. Welcome, Welcome back. back. Oh, 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 Let's talk about the interesting news coming out of New York City about Paramount Global being open to selling BET. Yes, Black Entertainment Television. Reports came out early last week about Paramount's interest in selling a majority stake in BET. They want to use the cash flow from the deal to grow their streaming offerings with Paramount+. Plus. When I heard about this, the first question I asked was why would Paramount sell BET when they can just continue to run it as is and absorb BET Plus and their offerings into Paramount+. Plus? Well, I quickly got my answer after doing some research. Paramount is reluctant to roll BET and BET Plus into Paramount Plus the way that they recently did with premium cable channel Showtime due to Tyler Perry's minority stake in BET Plus, as well as Kenya Barris, Aaron Rashawn Thomas, and Rashida Jones having a minority stake in BET Studios. According to Hollywood Insider's report on the possible sale, quote, those deals would complicate any effort to merge BET Plus or BET Studios into Paramount Plus or one of the company's other divisions. You know, I find it ironic that BET was sold by Bob Johnson to Paramount Global, then Viacom CBS, in 2000 to make it no longer black-owned, but black ownership in BET's various business ventures is the reason why Paramount is looking to sell BET. It's very interesting. Immediately following the announcement of Paramount exploring selling BET, black billionaires Tyler Perry and Byron Allen emerged as potential buyers. The plot thickens. As I said before, Tyler Perry has a minority stake in BET. He also has a great relationship with the folks at Paramount Global as he has a creative partnership with the media conglomerate to create shows for them, such as Young Dylan, a program he created for Paramount-owned Nickelodeon. It makes the most sense that Tyler Perry would win a bid to buy BET because he has a 330-acre studio in Atlanta, so we know he has the capacity to create new shows and movies to air on BET. Plus, the studio would be a great creative playground for black creatives to produce new shows if they're given the opportunity. But I'm really wrapping my mind around Byron Allen being the majority owner of BET. Byron Allen is the definition of a media mogul. 
He owns the Weather Channel, as well as 27 local television affiliates around the nation. Along with several digital and streaming media assets, he owns HBCU Go. His acquisition of HBCU Go in 2021 really interested me because, you know, as a budding black entrepreneur myself, I've studied Byron Allen heavily. One thing I've learned in my observation of his business dealings is that he always makes smart investments that are a part of some broader plan. His assets always work in concert with each other. I knew that there was a reason for him purchasing HBCU Go that would be huge news for the HBCU sports world. Also, he said this back on The Breakfast Club in 2019. You know, the real reason why I went after uh, Comcast and Charter, it didn't even have it didn't have anything to do with my cable networks. What happened was a gentleman wanted to do the Black College Sports Network in partnership with the HBCUs. Mm -hmm. And Comcast did not accept it. And that would have made a lot of money for these black colleges. Absolutely. That would have educated a lot of black kids. And when they didn't do that, that's when I came off the bench and said, okay, I'm going to light you up like a Christmas tree. Mm -hmm. That was the real reason why I got into it was when I saw what happened with the Black College Sports Network, which I don't own. I just knew. Why that, did you buy it? I just knew. I may. I just knew that these black. <laughs> I like that term. Right? I knew that these black colleges were going to benefit and these black kids were going to get the education mm -hmm. that they deserved and not have to pay. I remember when I first heard that interview when I was attending Fort Valley State University and I was listening to that part that just played as I was walking to the student center to get some Chick-fil-A. Good times. But that comment spoke to me and was etched in my memory. So when he purchased HBCU Go, it honestly was not a surprise to me because I heard the interview. I knew he always had an interest in broadcasting HBCU sports. So when it was announced that he struck a deal with the SWAC to get secondary media rights for the football and basketball broadcast last year, it also didn't shock me. I would have been shocked if he didn't put his name in the hat to buy BET. Byron Allen owning BET would make a lot of sense. In some ways, even more than Tyler Perry. BET would be the crown jewel in his portfolio. Let's not forget, BET still has a large market share and name recognition in the black community. When folks think of black media, many people immediately think of BET. It's ingrained in their memories. I can only imagine that one of Byron's key priorities, if he were to acquire BET, would be to put swag football and basketball on linear television. And it would make a bunch of sense with his ownership in HBCU Go and his acquisition of SWAC secondary sports media rights. We reported on HBCUPulse.com that HBCU football viewership in 2022 ranged between 200,000 viewers for the Black College Football Hall of Fame Classic in September to 2.4 million for the Celebration Bowl in December to close out the year. HBCU football is a viewership goldmine in today's media climate if given the opportunity to have daily resonance on linear television. Plus, it can bring some big-time advertising dollars from corporations who are supposed to be dropping billions to advertise with minority-owned media companies. If you know Byron Allen's backstory, you know he will not let the corporations forget that if he owned BET. That's when I came off the bench and said, okay, I'm going to light you up like a Christmas tree. Nevertheless, I'm interested to see where this goes. Either way, I hope that BET becomes Black-owned again and gives opportunity to Black creatives, business people, and entrepreneurs to make money and advance their lives. I also hope that a Black-owned BET can produce more positive representations of the Black community and educate and inform us like they used to back when Bob Johnson ran BET. But only time will tell. And those are my thoughts on today. From the shade room to your news feed, we brag different. You're locked into AHBCU Pulse, now trending worldwide.
All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for the show on today. But before we close out, I want to raise awareness on a confluence of events that could possibly affect Florida A&M University. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has waged a war on diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives at the state's public higher education institutions. Last July, I wrote an article on HBCUPulse.com doing a deep dive on the quote Stop Woke Act and how he wanted to use the law to take control of Florida's public colleges and universities. Woke in this context stands for Stop the Wrongs to Our Kids and Employees. In my article from last summer, I spoke about the draft legislation that was uncovered by independent journalist Jason Garcia that put a large amount of power in the hands of DeSantis and his political appointees. I spoke about this draft legislation and how it would allow the state legislator to veto proposed budgets and even cut funding if the state deems the public college or university isn't following their outline rules. The most alarming part I found in this draft legislation is that it strips power from the presidents of public colleges and universities in Florida and grants the board of trustees for these institutions the power to hire and fire professors. This is concerning because the state government already has oversight of Florida's public colleges and universities board of trustees. Although each institution has their own board of trustees, these boards are under the jurisdiction of a statewide board of governors where the governor, at this point DeSantis, appoints 14 of the 17 members. So taking power from the president for key university functions effectively would allow DeSantis control of the functions of the colleges and universities. Well, the draft legislation that I talked about last summer looks to now be set to turn into law. House Bill 999, if passed, would take effect July 1st. It seems as if DeSantis can't wait for the bill to be passed, like a kid on Christmas Eve that can't wait to open their presents. DeSantis recently appointed six new members to the Board of Trustees at Liberal Arts Institution, New College of Florida. Immediately after the new Board of Trustee members were named, they fired the president, Patricia Ocker. Chris Rufo, one of DeSantis' appointees to the Board of Trustees, said that there would be a, quote, top-down restructuring and that a new curriculum would be created from scratch. The board has recently voted to abolish the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Office. Hundreds of New College of Florida students have protested these moves by the board, and an op-ed in Teen Vogue by two New College of Florida professors says that, quote, what the DeSantis administration is trying to do, in brief, is force a conservative Christian model of education onto our public college attempting to choke out hard-won academic freedom. This, admittedly, is frightening. Leaders using their political power to take control of a public institution is something I never would have imagined. However, we're here. And now we need to stay focused on what the possible passage of House Bill 999 could mean for Florida A&M University, the only public HBCU in the state of Florida. Now, let me be clear. There's nothing overtly that says FAMU will be targeted. And I'm confident in FAMU's alumni and student body's ability to mobilize politically to stop any rash actions by the state. Also, some reporters of the Stop Woke Act were blocked in court last November and House Bill 999 could be subjected to the same action as well if passed. But this is a concerning trend that's worth note. The fact that our public HBCUs are vulnerable to political attacks due to our historical mission to uplift black students scares me. What scares me even more is that it seems as if we can't prevent what could possibly come. But we can't stop our fight. We have to continue to advocate and shed light on what's happening. There's power in our voice and there's power in bringing attention to a front on the sustainability of our institutions. And more than anything, this has to be our wake-up call to vote in local and state elections. We have to put leaders in office that can properly advocate for our issues and always act in the interest of the people. We'll keep you updated on House Bill 999 and what's to come in the future on HBCPulse.com. 
But make sure to follow HBC Pulse on Instagram and YouTube at HBC Pulse, Twitter and TikTok, the HBC Pulse. Subscribe to HBC Pulse Radio wherever you get your podcast. And one more thing. If you like to donate to HBCU Pulse to help us bring more stories like this to the HBCU audience, you can cash app us at dollar sign HBCU Pulse or visit paypal.me slash HBCU Pulse to support us. Any support will be greatly appreciated. But thank you for tuning in. And as always, we'll see you on the other side and we'll catch you next week. Like what you hear? Yeah. Subscribe to HBCU Pulse Radio on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, head to HBCUPulse.com to stay up to date on what's going on in the HBCU community. Thank Thank you you for for listening listening to HBCU HBCU Pulse Pulse Radio. Radio.